Well, good morning. It's good to see you here. Thanks for joining us uh, on this bank holiday weekend. We realize some of you uh, are away. Those who are watching online maybe are away this weekend or will be enjoying anyway uh, tomorrow and uh, this weekend with family. So we are grateful for you watching online. Thank you for joining us in person as well. And uh, what a great day it is outside. I wasn't expecting uh, to have such a good, good day today. So let's give thanks to God for a great day of uh, sun shining and a day that we can enjoy together. We're here to we're here to worship. Before we uh, read God's word, just to begin, I want to just give you a few announcements. If you are here for the first time, um, we want to just give you a bit of an indication of what to do and when to do it. Um, if you're here and you don't know what's going on or what to do, then if you're needing to use the facilities during the service, then the first half of the hall, and there's few here this morning, so all of you, would use these toilets here and the front half of this church would use them as well and the back half use them at the back there. If you need to get out, if you have a child with you or uh, need to just exit, then there's a room available just off the side of the hall. Make your way through the door and uh, go on in there and there's space for four adults and your kids can go in there as well. If you want to join us outdoors, if you need to use, uh, go outside and you can tune in on a radio as well in your car with uh, 106.5 so you can join us out there if needs be. Um, just a few other announcements then. The midweek this week, Dean is going to be leading us. Um, so please uh, be here if you can. Dean's going to lead uh, this week with um, by opening God's word and in prayer as well. So that's on Wednesday, 8 o'clock. Some of us will be at Matthew and uh, Rachel, uh, their wedding on Wednesday, Matthew Kirkland. And so let's be praying for them. Uh, for Wednesday, I'll be leading <coughs> the ceremony and speaking as well. So we'd appreciate your prayers as we do that on Wednesday in Portadown Baptist Church. So we won't be here. We'll be up in Portadown on Wednesday as well. I think that's the announcements just for now. Uh, but I want to turn to Romans 8. So if you have a Bible, let's go there. Romans 8. You'll know this uh, passage, I'm sure, very well. Hopefully you'll know this chapter. Um, one of the old saints says we should know this chapter. And we should be able to memorize this chapter. And uh, so it would be good just to turn there this, this morning and just look at it as we begin our worship. Romans 8, verse 37. We're going to read from verse 37 to verse 39. It says this. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We've been thinking, haven't we, about Christ's love towards us, towards the church, and how that looks in marriage. And so we want to continue to think on that theme. And to be thinking about those things as we continue in our series this morning and part three of uh, the mysteries of marriage. And so we're going to listen to a song now together, which I think some of you will know. Um, and it's a, a song which is sung by the Gettys. And it's, it's called Magnificent, Marvelous, Matchless Love. So we're going to listen to that now as we stay seated and as we listen and read the words together. So let's do that now.
matchless love Too vast and astounding to tell Forever existing in worlds above Now offered and given to all Oh, fountain of beauty eternal The Father, the Spirit, the Son Sufficient and endlessly generous Magnificent, marvelous, matchless love Creation is brimming with thankfulness The mountains exultant they stand The seasons rejoice in your faithfulness All life is sustained by your hand Okay, let's come to prayer together, shall we? Let's commit our time uh, this morning to God in prayer and let's pray for a few things that are going on uh, today and around our world as well. So let's come to God uh, in prayer together. Let's pray. 
Father, after uh, listening to that song and reading those words, we are just astounded at your magnificent and marvelous and matchless love. Lord, we thank you that from the pages of Scripture, you have revealed that to us, how much you love us, and we see that through and in your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and all that he has done for us and continues to do for us each day. And Lord, so we are... Uh, living testimonies of his great love, of your great love towards us. And so this morning we come in with hearts and voices full of praise. Lord, this morning we know that we can't open our mouths to sing yet physically, but we do with, with our hearts and our minds sing with praise to your matchless, matchless name. And so this morning we pray that you will be pleased with our praise. And as we come in together, and as we, we enjoy coming together like this, just to even sit with one another and to be in one mind and one heart, we pray that you will uh, be glorified by all that we do and say this morning. <clears throat> Lord, that you will be pleased with it, that you would challenge us and encourage us and edify us, Lord. Teach us what you have for us today, we pray. May we have listening hearts and ears and minds. May we be molded and shaped. May we be ready uh, for that this morning. Lord, that we would be that clay and that you as our potter would shape us even this morning. Lord, we do think of all that's going on around us. We think of the world uh, that we live in right now. We realize there's still much fear and anxiety and uncertainty but we are so thankful this morning that we can come in to your presence, knowing that you are the creator of all things. You're sovereign over all things. And so we don't have to fear because we have faith in a God who is in charge of all and knows all that is happening right now. In our lives, individually, right down to the, the last detail, and all that is going on in our world. Lord, we do pray for the unrest that we see around us and even across the Atlantic. We do pray that you would uh, just use your church in these days to be great witnesses and light in those very dark, dark places. Lord, we pray your word would penetrate into hearts and lives in these days like never before. Lord, we do pray more locally for our own government here as they continue to lead us. We pray that they would look to you as they lead us. Lord, that's our desire. But Lord, we know that you've set them there for a reason. And so we pray that you would just continue to have your hand of sovereignty upon them as they continue to lead us, we ask. Lord, we do pray for our own church. We thank you for all that you've done over many, many years through this building. Thank you for all that you've done through the church, through the people of this place. Lord, we pray that you will continue to do that. We are uh, a willing vessel that you would continue to use us uh, for the extension of your kingdom in this valley. Well, we do pray for those who are speaking or will be speaking this week. We pray for Philip today as he's in Castle Day. We pray you'll use, you use him, Lord, that you would use him as your agent there today, that he would speak your word faithfully to those people, that they would be blessed by it, and that you would bless him as he does that. Be with Dean as he prepares for Wednesday night. Pray you'll use him as well. Thank you for Dean and Luke. Thank you for them as they've finish their first year. Be with them as they go into the second year. 
And as they go into placements and to continue their studies, we pray that they would know your help in that as well. Lord, we do pray for uh, Matthew and Rachel for Wednesday as they uh, join together before you their lives. Lord, we pray that you would bless us as we meet together and as we celebrate that union. Pray that they would be uh, conscious of your presence then and through all the days of their married life. So Lord, we ask that you would be with us now as we continue to worship you, that you would strengthen us and encourage us today as we meet together. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Turn with me, if you can, if you have a Bible, please, to our uh, series uh, book, which we'll be looking at, which is Ephesians. Uh, Some of you will have been here the last two weeks. Some of you have been here the last 24 weeks. I can't believe we're 24 sermons in. And uh, this book only has six chapters. I didn't expect to be as long, but that is what God has set uh, for us. So we're going to turn to Ephesians 5. And we're looking today at verse 28 to 33 as we finish out this section on marriage. So we're going to read that together. Then we are going to pray again, just for God's help. And we're going to stand as we do that, okay? But we'll read first. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes... And cherishes it just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Let's stand together and pray. And then afterwards you can take your seats and we'll look at this. Let's stand. Father, we have opened your word, your precious living word. And now, as we do every week, we pray that you would teach us and speak to us by your spirit. That you would convict us in areas where we are being unfaithful to you. Lord, that you would bring us in line with your word, that we would live it out in our lives, that husbands would act as you command us to act, that wives would do the same as you have commanded them to do here. And so teach us this morning, may these practical things that we're going to be looking at strengthen us and help us in our marriages. Lord, may we be blessed and, and encouraged, and may we, as we walk out the doors today, because you have spoken to us, may have stronger, more godly and holy relationships. So bless us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Take your seats. Thanks. Well, an estimated 27.2 billion pounds, 27.2 billion pounds was spent on beauty products and services in 2018. 27.8 billion pounds. I couldn't believe that figure when I looked it up. Let me just break that down for you. 10.4 billion, or 38% of that, was spent on personal care and maintenance. 
An additional 8.7 billion or 32% of that was spent on personal enhancement products, whatever they are. And the remaining 8 million, 8 billion, sorry, spent on beauty services. Now, some of you men are sitting here and go, I have no part to play in that. Well, if you break it down, there are things that you buy and do that add to that. So this is not just you ladies. This is for everyone. You see, we live in a world that is full of men and women who really care about their bodies. We care about how it looks. We care about decorating it. We care about protecting it and enhancing it and comforting it. And what we spend on this is a whole lot, obviously, at 27.2 billion pounds. I wonder if you've ever heard of the word narcissist or narcissism. Have you ever heard of that word? Well, there's a story about where that comes from, and I'm just going to tell you it now. Greek mythology tells of a beautiful young person who loved himself so much when he saw his own reflection in the water that he fell so deeply in love and he was so lovesick that he finally wasted away and died and was turned into a flower that bears the name Narcissus. Does anyone know what Narcissus is? You probably have them. You maybe have them in your garden or have had them or maybe even in your house on your table. And it is the common daffodil. Narcissus. You see, narcissism is someone who has an excessive interest or admiration of one's self or one's physical appearance. Narcissism is prevalent today or as prevalent, should I say, especially with social media, as it was in the Garden of Eden. Yet, as much as we detest narcissistic behavior, it seems here, doesn't it, that Paul is encouraging the Ephesian church to love their wives as they love their own bodies. What does that mean? Well, this is my first point this morning. Self-love. Verse 28 to 30. Let's read those verses quickly together. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Well, who amongst us, or who amongst those who are listening online, doesn't do their best to look after their body? Yes, some of us may be sitting here and thinking, you know, we could be doing better in that area of my life. But whatever you're feeling, we, we do take care of our bodies. We eat the right food, or we eat food. Maybe right is not the right word necessarily all the time. We eat food. We maintain some sort of energy because we do that, and we know that that's the case. We rest our bodies when we go to sleep. Maybe we work out or exercise in some way. And all of these point to the reality that we do try and give proper care to our bodies, don't we? But why? Why do we do this? Well, I think it's because when we do these things, we have some sort of sense of well-being. And I think it would feel so wrong to do the opposite, right? If you were to starve yourself, 
or to stay awake all the time and never go to sleep, or to sit and do no exercise and never move, would just seem wrong. Well, men, husbands out here, or those listening today, just as we do these things for our own bodies and reap the benefits, we should, with the same care and concern, meet the needs of our wives. That's what Paul is saying here this morning. Just as we do those things every single day, making sure that our life is, we have great health and we feel great and we feel comforted and sustained in our bodies. Just as we do that, we should be doing that also for our wives, for their well-being and for their godliness and their purity. And here lies another mystery, doesn't it, of marriage for the married. That when the husband cares, and I want you to hear this, when the husband cares for his wife with the concern like this, this care and this concern that we have seen, and when he does that, he in turn loves himself. Why? Or maybe how is that possible? How, if he does that to his wife, does he love himself? Well, it's because the two are one. They are one flesh. Look at verse 31 for a moment, please, with me. The second half of verse 31. It says, the two shall become one flesh. Think back to last week when we thought about Christ's love for the church and our responsibility as husbands to love our wives in the same way. Well, this command here to love her like we love ourselves is an extension of that. You see, anyone who loves his wife like Christ loved the church will do nothing to harm her. Just as we wouldn't harm our own flesh. Who goes out to harm their own flesh? But instead, we nourish and we cherish our bodies. And just like that, we need to nourish and cherish her, our wife. Just as we do for our own bodies. Just as Christ did for the church. Look at verse 29 for a minute. It says this. For no one has ever hated his own flesh. But nourishes and cherishes it. Just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body. The question then is this isn't it. Looking at that verse. How do I nourish and cherish my wife? When was the last time you asked yourself that, that question? How do I nourish and cherish my wife? Well firstly to nourish. Let's figure out what that means. To nourish our wives is to provide for her needs. To give her the things that will help her grow and mature in favor with God and with man. That is what it means to nourish her. If she needs strength, give her strength. If she needs encouragement, give her encouragement. Give her every other thing she needs in this regard, just as God 
as we read in Philippians 4:19, just as God supplies all our needs according to his riches in the glory in Christ Jesus. That is how we treat our wives. That is how we nourish them. That is how we do what God has asked us to do. Well, there was a couples conference at which the speaker mentioned that couples are so disconnected that 85% of husbands don't know their wife's favorite flower. Well, Paddy turned to his wife and said, isn't yours self-raising? <laughs> now, I can't take the glory for that joke because there was a person in this room who's sitting here and has just put her thumbs up to me and she texted me that. And I'm thankful for anyone who has texted me over the last number of weeks, especially as we've been in this marriage season. It's funny how you come up with all the jokes during the marriage season, but you send them to me and I'm very grateful that I have a funny text to read every so often, so keep sending them if you have them. Anyway, unlike Paddy, we shouldn't be husbands who look at their wives as the cook. She's not just the cook or the housekeeper or the sex partner or the occasional companion. Our wife is a God-given treasure to be loved, cared, nourished, and cherished. Okay, men? Well, then now we know what it is to nourish our wives. How do we cherish them? How do we cherish our wives? Well, to cherish her is to use tender love and physical affection to give her warmth and comfort and protection and security just as Christ did towards his bride, the church. That's our responsibilities towards our wives. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time you explicitly asked your wife how she was feeling? You see, one really important and practical thing here to help us love our wives, and cherish our wives, is to know how she is feeling. That might seem really simple and basic, and of course, that's what you might say to that. But when was the last time you asked her how she was feeling? And wives, if he asks you that now, you must be honest and open and clear, because sometimes there's been so much that's gone on before that you don't want to ask that, answer that question anymore. Because you just maybe think he's just ticking a box. But he's not now. Okay, He's going to ask you that question. And you're going to, ask, you're going to honestly answer that question openly and clearly. Because he wants to meet your needs. And can't do so without knowing how you feel. You see sensitivity men towards our wives. And their feelings and their environment. Is key. It's key. So if you're the kind of guy who acts like a boss around the house, doesn't have any apparent feelings or any outward feelings, and you're very cold to your wife, today your prayer is that you pray to God that he would break that down, he would make you soft, he would make you feel, he would make you sensitive to your wife's feelings and concerns. Why? For the sake of her purity. Her sanctification that we looked at last week. Men, don't we know how we feel? That might seem a really strange question. Do you know how you feel? 
If I was to ask you how you feel and you were honest with me, you would be able to tell me, I think, and give me a very clear idea of your thoughts and your feelings and your emotions and your struggles and your anxieties and your plans and your hopes and your pains. You'd better do that. If we were honest, if we sat one to one and we did that, Nazmen, we're not good at that and we need to work that out. You would be able to tell me how you feel. Well, we should strive also to know our wives and also how they feel, just as we know ourselves. Now, I know that it will be impossible to gain such intimate knowledge into our wife. Can't just dive into her brain and figure it all out. It has to be a communication to work that out. But our love for her demands that we will work at knowing her that way. We've got to work at that. It demands we be sensitive to her needs, her moods, her non-verbal communication, which is a mystery. And I'm working on that one. But it calls for patient love, men, towards her as we do these things. And it also calls us to set ourselves to understand the pressures that she faces. And this is really important. We have to set ourselves from this day forward to understand the pressures that she faces. What do I mean? Well, when was the last time you took some time to do what your wife does? (laughs) When was the last time you did that? Well, Thursday passed, Sarah and I celebrated our seventh wedding anniversary. And I'm thankful to God for an amazing wife that she is and an incredible mum that she is to our daughter Annabeth and she's just sitting just there outside of, in, in my office there. And but the way our present life has been, I suppose, Sarah or her mum, who's been an amazing help, has often taken Annabeth and looked after her so that we can continue to, to do life, I suppose, and, and ministry here. But the times that I've had with Annabeth alone helps me to understand the pressures that they face, okay? Let me give you an idea. The early rise, the messy eating, the bathing, the boking, the dog eating it, the crying, the tantrums, the hoovering, lunch, long drives to make her go to sleep, the nappies, the crying, the dinner that needs cooking, the dishes that need done, and so on. And that's just a glimpse, okay? The whole experience opened my eyes, gave me a fresh appreciation for what it takes. When was the last time you set yourself to understand the pressures that your wife faces so that you can love her, nourish her, and cherish her as God has asked us to do? Man, whatever the situation or present life circumstance, get to know how your wife is feeling. And the pressures that she faces. Hold the door for your wife. Find her seat. Wait for her to speak. Fix whatever needs fixed in the house that makes her life easier. Why? Because this all says to her, my life is your life. It says, I love you as I do my own body. This, then, is legitimate self-love. And in doing this, as it says here, just as Christ has done. And as it says here also, because we are members of his body, Christ loved, didn't he? He knew. 
he provided for the church, for us. And if he didn't do that, and this is another mystery here, if he didn't do that for us, if he didn't love us, if he didn't come, and if he didn't die, and if he didn't take away the sins of his bride, the church, then he, if he didn't do that, wouldn't have provided for himself. Because we share in the life of Christ. That is why he came, to prepare his bride. And so this is the mystery, isn't it? We are members of his body. We are in Christ. Well, let me move on then to the second point as time is moving on quickly. And the second point is this, a steadfast love, verse 31. Look at it with me, please. The first half of verse 31. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. For us to love our wives like Christ loved the church, we have to have a steadfast, unmovable, unbreakable, unshakable love. And this verse is a direct quotation, isn't it, from Genesis 2 and 24. You recognize it from that, I think. And Paul here gives two emphases, okay? First one is this, the permanency of marriage. That's really important. The second one is this, the unity of marriage. Permanency and unity. I wonder, do you know what one of the barriers to a successful marriage is? And this is just one barrier. It is the failure of one or both parties to leave their father and mother. You will be staggered at the amount of marriages that are broken because husband or wife, son and daughter, cannot leave their parents behind. Now let me keep this simple. Marriage is a marker for the beginning of a new family. Marriage is a marker for a new family. The previous relationship between son, daughter, father, mother, as far as authority and responsibility, okay, so get me here, understand what I'm saying, what I'm saying. As far as authority and responsibility to your father and mother or them towards you has now been severed. And a new family now takes on a new authority and new responsibilities. You see the word leave here in this verse. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother. Well, it is paired with the words hold fast in the same verse. Leave and hold fast. But actually I think the better translation would be this. That he would cleave to his wife. So this is really easy to understand. You leave and you cleave. Okay? You leave and you cleave. Cleave means to cement together, to bind together, to hold together. This means that you break one set of ties with your parents as you establish a new set of ties. 
And let me make this clear. That the second bond, that bond between you and your spouse, is more binding and more permanent than the first. Marriage is permanent. Malachi 2.16, God literally says there, I hate divorce. That's what it says. Why? Because it breaks what he, what God has ordained as unbreakable. It doesn't take a genius to work that out. Now, except for specific circumstances, as written in the Bible, God will never change his mind on the subject of divorce. Because he can't. Because he hates sin. Now, yes, he forgives. But he can't ignore or deny the action of people breaking his commands when they break their covenant with their spouse. Now, do not be quick, please, to join the road of divorce. Please do not go there. There is no hope on that road. The grass is not greener there. If your spouse has wronged you and you want out, think about this. Think about all the times that we have been unfaithful to God. Yet, although he hates our unfaithfulness and our sin, he forgives us. He restores us to himself. Think of the repeated times in the Old Testament when Israel was unfaithful to God in terms of their spiritual adultery. Yet he was determined to love them with an everlasting love. Think on that when you think it's time to get out. This is the sort of bond, this is the sort of cleaving that God commanded us in our marriages. Yes, our love for our spouse will not be eternal like God's towards us, but it certainly has to be everlasting in terms of earthly lives. From the moment you you commit yourself to your spouse, covenanting together before God until the moment you breathe your your last breath. That's what we're called to in marriages. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're struggling. Your spouse has been unfaithful to their God-given responsibilities. You've been listening over the last three weeks and go, this has only made me feel even worse towards my spouse. And you're offended, to say the least. And you're wondering, how do I overcome this offense? Well, let me give you one suggestion. Go and read of a woman named Goma in the book of Hosea and see her unfaithfulness in, con- in contrast with Hosea's faithfulness. And when you do, realize that your husband or your wife and their failures, yeah, they hurt you and they offend you. And that isn't right that they do that towards you. I get that. But your offense that you feel It's a fraction of the offense compared to how they have offended God. How you have offended God. 
Yet in his grace and in his mercy, he pours out forgiveness, which is totally undeserved. It's this example which we should follow in our marriages. This grace, this mercy, this forgiveness towards each other, no matter what. Okay, finally this morning, I want to finish with a final point, which is this, and it's small and short. Verse 31 to verse 33. Second half of verse 31. The mystery and the motive. What is the real mystery in marriage? Some of you have been sitting here over the last number of weeks and going, well, what is this mystery? I think the greatest mystery is that two become one flesh. It has to be the greatest mystery, doesn't it? That two people become one flesh. It's profound, isn't it? It's hard to fathom in my own mind, but we know it's real. We know it's God-ordained, and it's the only way that we will begin to understand the great mystery between Christ and the church. And I think, turn that upside down, is that when we get the relationship between Christ and the church, we get this. Look at verse 32. The mystery is profound. And I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. The magnificent picture of Christ and the church was actually unknown, wasn't it, to the saints of old in the Old Covenant. They didn't really know about that. That wasn't yet past, so they didn't know. But now for us in the new, it is revealed and it is great. It is wonderful. God's new people that we talked about many weeks ago in this series, those who have been made new and are now in Christ, that church that are bought into his kingdom by his blood, who are now in his family through faith in Jesus, He is the bridegroom. We are his bride. And because of that, we now share in Christ. And that is the mystery. And he's invited us in and we share in Christ. And we are now called Christ. We have his righteousness. That is the mystery. Do not think when you walk out of here, you are two people that do two separate things. You have two different agendas. No, you have one agenda. You have one life. You are one flesh. You do everything together. You do as God commands us to do. And in that, we have much blessing. Well, what about the motive? Well, a husband's great, maybe even greatest, I think, is the best word. Greatest motive for loving and purifying, and protecting, and caring for his wife is Christ's love, Christ's purification, his protection, Christ's caring for his own bride, the church. That, when we see Christ and what he does for his bride, the church, that is our motivation to love our wives as Christ loved the church. Christian marriage is to be loving, it's to be holy, it's to be pure, it's to be self-sacrificing, it's to be mutually submissive because these are the virtues that characterize the relationship of Christ and the church. Both the relationships, marriage and Christ and the church, are absolutely sacred. They are sacred. And that's why Paul says this in verse 33. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself 
and let the wife see that she respects her husband. The however here, it might be therefore in your version, it's probably better. Therefore, that signifies that these things that I'm about to say, this is what Paul is saying to the Ephesians, are essential in marriage. And what are they? Love and respect. Love. Husbands, love your wives. As Christ loved the church. Wives, submit, respect your husbands as he is the head of the wife. If we do this, as with this I finish, if we walk out his word in the power of the spirit, husbands and wives will find happiness. Our children will experience much blessing. And most importantly, God is brought much honor. Let's get to work. Let's take these things we've learned. Let's put them into practice. That we may honor God. Magnify Christ. In how we love each other. In our marriages. Let's pray together. Father, you've taught us so much over the last three weeks when we have looked at this wonderful thing we call marriage. Now we just bow before you and ask that you would work in our lives and our hearts and our minds. That you would create in us a willing heart to, to do these things. That we may honor you. We may love our wives better. That we may lead our families better. That we may know what it is to have happiness in the home and kids who are experiencing amazing blessing because we are living out the marriage that you have called us to live. So teachers, trainers and shapers, wherever we're at in our marriages, whether we're married for a day or whether we're married for 50 years, Lord, help us. Well, for those who are thinking about marriage, for those who are not there yet, but or one day would love to be married. Lord, we pray that these things would be written on their hearts and they wouldn't step into this marriage covenant lightly. We would take this thing seriously. Lord, help us, we pray. Let us get a grasp of how big this is and how serious, serious marriage is in your eyes and the covenants that we've made to one another. But may we live them out. May we walk out your word from this day, we pray. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. We're going to listen to this song. Um, again, a, uh, a great song. It's called God, the Uncreated One. And just want you to listen to the words as we reflect.
of space and time And fashion worlds to his desire The one whom angels host revere Hung the stars like chandeliers Numbered every grain of sand Knows the heart of every man He is king forever He is king forever He is king forever And our strength, the rock on which we can depend, matchless in his majesty, his power and authority, unshaken by the schemes of man, never changing. God in mortal flesh, forsaken by a traitor's kiss, the curse of sin and centuries did pierce the lowly prince of peace. Oh, lifted high the sinless man. Crucified the spotless lamb Buried by the sons of man But he was rescued by the Father's hand
pray one final time. Father, we praise you that Christ is king forever. We pray that he would be king over our lives. Lord, that if we do that first and foremost, that all these other things will come to pass. So Lord, we pray as we leave this morning that we would know him as king of our life. The one who is reigning and living and ruling forever. May we live our life for Christ. And in doing so, may you help us to live out your word by your spirit. And particularly as we've seen this morning, in our relationships towards one another. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, that's the end of our service, but we ask you just to stay in your seat for a moment while the deacons sort of help you leave. And uh, they're going to come up forward and I'm going to take a picture for Track and Trace just to make sure everyone's here. And uh, we will see you maybe Wednesday or next weekend. And enjoy this weekend, whatever you might be doing today and tomorrow. And God bless. And we'll speak to you soon.